We're so glad that you've joined us today on the Relevant Church Podcast. There's so much God wants to do in and through you as you listen to this message. If you want to learn more about Relevant Church, visit us online at thisisrelevant.cc. You guys ready to get into this message this week? All right, come on, let's pray. God, thank you so much for this word. Thank you for how you're going to speak to us. God, I pray that you may speak to us directly, uh, convincingly. And God, I pray that we will be better as we walk out this door to be prepared for this amazing race that you have of our lives. In Jesus' mighty and precious name, amen. Cool. Thank you, worship team and band. You guys are phenomenal. Awesome. So um, this is the second to last week, exactly what, to the amazing race. Green team, come on, green team, green team, I see y'all. Black team, where you at? Come on. Uh, Pink team, where you at? Yellow. Come on. That's what I'm talking about. So check it out. This series has been really fun, and what I want to do actually this week is I want to jump on a Facebook Live and maybe invite one of you guys onto the Facebook Live. Let's just talk about how God has impacted you this series. It's, it's been incredible. We've been going through exercises of mind, body, and spirit, and next week it's going to all culminate with the Amazing Race Games. It's going to be nutso. That's a word. I made it up. It's going to be really, really cool, and we're going to compete and see who's going to be the grand champion of this amazing race, what team is going to be the grand champion of this amazing race. And so if you've been following along, I don't know whether you've been following online, we've got the messages online, or maybe you've been coming to church, we've kind of gone over the last couple of weeks a few messages uh, through a, a book called Corinthians. And we've been in a really short section of Corinthians. It's actually 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 through 27 says this, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives a prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete self exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath. But we are unperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control. Lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. The guy who's writing this, his name is Paul. He's planted a bunch of churches. One of the churches that he's planted, that he's formed, that he's launched, that he is pastoring is the church in Corinth and he's writing them a letter as he's traveling to other places. In fact, it's written that as he's writing this letter, he's in prison and he's letting them know, like, listen, I've been running hard. I've been serving well. I've done everything that I possibly can to serve you guys, to serve the mission of God, to serve the church. He's given them just this kind of rundown of what his life has been like. And then he pauses in this moment, in one of those moments where like you're having a conversation with somebody and something just hits you. You ever had a conversation with somebody and like a light bulb goes on or like a special idea that comes up and you're like, oh, that didn't come from me, but that's good. And I'm gonna tell you about it. And this is what he says. He says, do you not know that all the racers in a race run? He begins to start reflecting about his own race and how he's not out here aimlessly beating the wind. He's not running aimlessly, but there's a point to his race. And in the first message, we realize that we are in a race by choice or by default. Many of us are in a race by choice or by default. If you think, I'm not in a race, listen, you were born. Every race has a beginning and every race has an end. And everybody want to finish strong. And I'm sure everybody in here wants to finish strong in this race called life. And so just know whether you choose it or whether you don't, you're in a race. And then we realize that in the algorithm of this life is to get you to fall back to average. The average of this life is always to pull you back, is to slow down your progress. But we discovered that when we say yes to Jesus, when we turn our lives over to Christ, he gives us a new DNA. We become a new creation and our DNA is now wired to win. So we know that we're on the winning team. So in that message, we, we settled on this fact. Because we're wired to win, we need to compete and not concede. There's no reason to concede. There's no reason to slow up. There's no reason to walk because he has equipped you with every capacity to run this race. 
and to win this race. And so in sermon two, in the second message, we, we started discovering like, okay, if I'm on a race, I need to know why I'm running. Because nobody just runs for absolutely no reason, unless you're a crazy eight-year-old like my son. Just running for absolutely no reason, because it's fun. Nobody runs because it's fun. We all run because we want to get healthy. We want to run because we want to compete in a race. We want to run because we're clearing our heads. And we come to these places in our lives where we don't even know why we're running. We've been running for so long where it's like, why am I even running? We've, we've been in this race for so long, the race of, of faith, the race of marriage, the race of relationship, the race of school, where you're like, I don't even know why I'm doing this anymore. Anybody been to that point where you're like, I, have no, I don't know why I even get up every single morning. And we discovered that if you've got to run the race, you've got to know your why. Your why is going to keep you from getting distracted. Your why is going to keep you from quitting prematurely. Your why is going to be the thing that keeps you going. So we said, start with the vision. Write the vision. Make it plain. Write it down somewhere. So that when you get to the point where you don't want to run anymore, you go remember your why. So first message, compete. Don't concede because you're wired to win. Number two, start with the vision. Because if you don't have a vision, you won't know why you're running. And if you want to stay in the race, you've got to know your why. And today, we're actually tracking back to verse 24 again. I believe that God had a, a little bit more that he wanted to teach us and had us look at this from a different angle. So Paul, the writer who's writing this, says this, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize so that you may obtain it? Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been on a dysfunctional team? Throw your hand up if you've been on a dysfunctional team. Okay. Have you ever been on a team, like you could have renamed your team and it would have been team can't get right. <laughs> like no matter what we do, we just can't get it right. We go into the huddle, we go into a meeting, we talk about it, this is the plan, and then when you go into action, you're like, did everybody just forget what we talked about? Why are we supposed to be going left and we're going right? Why are we going right and we're going left? Why are we supposed to be going forward and we're going backwards? And you're on this dysfunctional team and you're losing because nobody is running the race together. So we had a situation a few weeks ago. Like I said, our interns are incredible. What's up, Jade? Just saw you walk in. What's up, homegirl? So this story is actually about Jade. So she came in at the right time. So we, our, part of our internship is mind, body, and spirit, just kind of the way the amazing race is. So they take classes, they're reading books, they're taking classes, they're expanding their mind, expanding their leadership, focus on spirit, they're learning how to serve the Lord, how to get deeper in their faith, how to learn some spiritual practices. And then also we want them to get healthy because life is about being healthy and, and being able to run the race and having the endurance. And so uh, every Tuesday we play basketball. In fact, uh, beyond that, basketball coach rusher where's he at I see you coach rusher looking at me like a creeper in that window um coach rusher is actually coaching and helping strength training and balance and so throughout the week these students are are, are having this mind body and spirit experience through their internship it's awesome it's incredible except on Tuesdays on Tuesdays we do this thing where we go and play basketball staff and interns and we started this out, and it was really cool. And I'm going to tell you why I was super excited when we started, because we broke up our teams. My team was myself, Jade, Harrison, and Sarah. I loved it, because we were winners. <laughs> and Louis, Jose, Ryan, and Meg, losers. So the first day we're playing, it's awesome. We win the first game. I'm feeling really good. Second game comes, they beat us. And I'm like, okay, it's cool. We're still in the game. It's one-on-one. -on -one. And remember how we talk about, like, competition is what drives us, right? Competition is what, why we're in this race, why we're in this thing. So we're like, all right, cool. We got this thing. The last game, third game, we beat them. And I'm like, because we're winners and you are losers. And so I'm excited. So the second time we play, we're like, same team, same teams, because we're winners, y'all losers. So we start playing the game that day, and something's different. The aura is different, the air is a little weird, and we lose the first game. 
but it's cool because we're winners. And so I'm like, let's get back into this game. We're going to beat this game. And then we lost again. By the end of the second game, Sarah is throwing up over here. Harrison was like, forget it. I ain't playing anymore. Isaiah, go in and play for me. My son was with us. He just quit all together. And I'm down court like, the ball's going to come back. I'm not running. I quit. I'm just, I'm just going to wait right here. Just throw me the ball. Throw me the ball. The only person running on the team is Jade. She is running all the way up. She's running all the way down. She's got, and she's looking at us like, you're throwing up over here. You've given up and quit the game. You're all the way back there. Why is nobody running? And bless Jade's heart because she's going as hard as she possibly can. She's huffing. She's puffing. Sweat's dripping down. But the girl is running. But guess what happens at the end of the game? We lose. Because no matter how hard Jade ran, if her team was not given 100, there is no way she could compete against Daddy Long Legs over there. <laughs> and here's the reality. Here's the reality. Some of us have had our races cut short. Some of us have our races incredibly uh, impacted because the people we thought were supposed to be running with us were not. The people we thought are supposed to be surrounding us actually gave up on the race and we were out here running alone. Uh, but here goes the flip side to it. Some of us have been called to a team. Some of us have been called to run a race with a group of people, and we are hindering the race of everybody else because we are too selfish to run. Much like me all the way in the back saying, Jade, you got this girl. Go ahead and throw the ball back here. Much like Sarah being, I'm sorry, I can't play. And Harrison all the way just saying, forget y'all, I'm going to go over here and play soccer. <laughs> Our races are impacted by those who are close to us. And this is what the law of average states. The law of average states that the theory uh, it says this, it's the, that the result of any given situation will be the average of all the outcomes. The result of any given situation will be the average of all outcomes. So Jim Rahm, a really smart guy who's smarter than me and smarter than a lot of people, who is one of the uh, leadership gurus and writers, says this. We are the average of the five people we spend the most time with. Our race is impacted by the team we keep around us. Who's your team? Who are you running with? We are the average of the five people we spend the most time with. And it's easy to say, well, like, well, preacher, last couple weeks ago you said everybody's got a race and you got to run your race and you can't be worried about everybody else's race. You got to run your race. True. But we have to re realize that my race can significantly impact somebody else. Somebody's race can significantly impact impact me. Most races that we're running in this life are actually team sports rather than individual competitions. But everyone's got to run the race. In a race, all the runners run. Think about the race of your faith. The Bible says, listen, don't stop congregating with other believers like a lot of people have begun to do in the last days. Because the enemy wants to isolate you, to get you to think that you're in this thing by yourself. So that when you get tired, nobody can carry you, nobody can come alongside of you and run alongside with you. See, the race of your faith is impacted by the company that you keep. 
the race of your marriage. Anybody know that when you're married, it's easy to, 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 to say, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull the load this time and I'm, uh, you're just in a bad season. And I'm going to work hard. But how many of you guys have been working so hard that we see that the other person just gives up and no matter how hard you want to run the race, you can't keep running the race because the other person has totally given up. So the race that you thought was supposed to be for life ends up being cut short because it was supposed to be a team thing. Race of school, students, you're not by yourselves. It's not just about you and your fellow students. It's about your teachers. We're running this race. And how many of you guys in here have been positively and negatively impacted by a teacher? Our race impacts those around us. Others, people's races impact us. Everyone is supposed to run the race. But realize that most races in life are team-oriented and not individual competitions. Point number one, you're only as fast as the team you're running with. As you know, there's different types of races. Got marathons, got the 100, got the 400 relay. And that's actually one of my favorite types of race is the relay race. Where you've got to pass the baton. Where running is not you isolated in this vacuum by yourself where all I do is run and it doesn't affect anybody else. In a relay, your run affects the person in front of you and the, ra the run of the person behind you affects your run. Everybody has to give 100%. And in a relay race, you, you realize this. Your team is only as fast as the slowest runner. If runner A is running hard and runner B is running hard, when you get to uh, runner C, if they decide to walk, if they decide to dilly-dally, if they decide to get distracted, at that point, no matter how hard the D runs, because at the end of the day, when you get to D, you've already been significantly slowed down and impacted as a team. You're only as fast as the team you're running with. Third game. There's a championship. Sarah, Muta, Harrison, Jay. We all gave up. Jay kept on running. But we lost because we didn't play as a team. And many of us are sitting here. Our lives are a result of our parents' failure to run. Our lives and relationships are a result of past relationships' failure to run. Our careers, our education is impacted by teachers and coworkers' failure to run. You're only as fast as the team you're running with because the people who we thought were around us, the team that we thought was running with us, we discovered that ultimately were working against us. Point number two. Your pace is set by your team. Either they're running with you or they're running against you. If somebody on a relay team decides to walk, their team is significantly impacted. They're slowed down. The law of average says that no matter how hard I run, my run will only be as strong as the average runner on my team. So we all have got to run. 
Have you ever had a friend who you love so dearly but always got you in trouble? Every time you hung out with this person, there was drama. I see you, girl. Listen, don't point to anybody. Don't point to anybody. Throwing people under the bus is not godly. <laughs> yeah, mom, listen, she said, Mama can. Listen, y'all kids need to get it together. Slowing me down. But you ever had one of those friends who you're like on a team with or, or a friend who is you're hanging out with and every time you go out to go hang out, there's always some sort of drama that happens. Either they meet somebody they don't like or there's something that uh, just a situation just goes wrong. And then when you look at the law of averages, you're like every time on average things go wrong, you're around. Those people who's supposed to be running with us, but for some reason they always slow us down. Because what? They're always thinking about themselves. Have you ever had that conversation with somebody like, why are you so selfish? I can't just ever have a good time with you. I remember I was uh, in college and I was pledging a fraternity and listen, whatever you think about fraternities and sororities, whatever, just put that to the side for a second. Just follow along with the story. Um, judges. Um, um, Authenticity is the only requirement, right? So, so we are pledging this fraternity, and I'm part of what, what they would call a line. So I have line brothers, and my line brothers are supposed to, we're all supposed to be in sync and do everything the same, and we're supposed to run together on this race. And my line brothers are doing all they can to make sure that we make it to the finish line. I, on the other hand, just won't do certain things that I just don't feel like are just necessary. I just don't feel like doing them, so I'm not going to do it. Well, Mutai, you're supposed to do it. Everybody's supposed to do it. Listen, it's everybody, we're supposed to be a team. That's nice. I ain't doing it. And so I remember always getting my team in, in, in trouble or in a situation that was not too fun with our, our big brothers. And one day, they finally cornered me. They show up to my dorm room. They pull me out, and they're like, why are you so selfish? I'm like, what? They're like, Every time we're supposed to work as a team, all you do is do the opposite. Do you understand that you slowing up is slowing everyone else down? We all want to finish, don't we? You want to get to the end, right? Uh, so we need you to run alongside with us. Stop thinking about yourself. That's biblical. And somebody in here needs to get that. Philippians 2, the writer Paul says this, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. Stop being selfish. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not look to his own interests. Listen, your race will impact somebody else's race. Let each of you not look at only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Did you know that point number three, you can be running in the same direction and still be in opposition? You can be running in the same direction and still be in opposition. There's nothing worse in life than being on a team with an overachiever. Those individuals who always have to outdo everybody. The individual who always has to shine. The individual, they just can't work as a team. You ever been doing a, a school project, students, where you're supposed to be working with somebody? And you see them, they're kind of distant from the group, and they don't really, like, engage. Or when they engage, there's something a little shady about them. And then when the work is handed in, they hand in their own stuff. Somebody's got PTSD right now. In Jesus' name, be free. Be healed. And you know what? And you're looking at them like, hey, aren't we supposed to be doing this thing together? Like, how are you handing? Oh, no, no, it's cool. You don't have to hand in yours. I'll hand in mine for the team so that the teacher knows that I did the work. Ever. 
ever been in that situation. Scripture tells us the story about Jesus and his disciples. There's 12 of them. They're supposed to be all working in tandem, supposed to be working together. Three of them are kind of close to Jesus. He kind of pulls them to the side and kind of, you know, does, does some different things with them. But they started getting a big head and started thinking like, hey, they were better than everybody else. But yet when Jesus sent them out, he sends them out. He sends the 12 to go on mission together. And in fact, when he leaves earth, he sends out uh, his disciples. He sends out the 12 again. And so they're supposed to be working together, supposed to be working unified. But yet there's a couple of individuals in this group who are overachievers. These overachievers decide to concoct a plan. In fact, it started with their mother. Somebody laughed. Oh, boy. That is hilarious. It starts with their mother. And their mother is like, listen, this, listen, you guys have been hanging out with Jesus all the time. You know how he pulls you guys to the side sometimes. That means you guys are special. In fact, what you need to go do, you need to go tell Jesus that uh, um, he needs to answer this one question for you and give you some preferential treatment and some special treatment. So they sit there and they're like, Mom, you know what? You're a smart woman. God bless you. So they go to Jesus. Hey, Jesus, hey, um, we got this little quick request for you, Jesus. You know, it's a small little thing. It's an inty-winty thing. And we know you love us and we love you. And, you know, we've got your back and you've got our back. And, you know, kind of we hang out every once in a while that it's just the three of us. But we're not going to bring uh, Peter in this. It's just going to be us right now. We just need to talk to you privately. And these dudes are brothers. They're the sons of Zebedee, it says. And, and these two sons of Zebedee, uh, James and John, say, Jesus, could you fulfill one request for us? Because, listen, you've been blessing people. You've been healing people. You've been restoring sight to the blind. You fed 5,000 people. The request that we have is super small. Just small. Just small. Jesus. Can we ask you this one question? I promise you say yes. Pinky swear. You're my boy. Jesus, do you love me? You know what I'm saying? Like, Jesus, come on. You can do this. So Jesus like, what do you want? They're like, Jesus, so check this out. You know how, like, you're about to go to heaven and all that, and we're supposed to come with you at some point in time? Jesus like, yeah, what's up? So check this out, Jesus. This incy-wincy small little idea that we have. I mean, it's not really a big deal. You're going to laugh at this. Listen. When you get to heaven, and then when we get there, can James sit on one side and I, John, sit on the other side? And then the, 12, the other 10 find out. They were like, wait, 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 hold on. I thought we were on the same team. I thought we were all on mission together. I thought we were all in cooperation together. How is it that you guys had to corner Jesus and try to get special treatment and leave all of us behind? Did you know, people, that you can be running in the same direction of people and still be in opposition? Not everybody who's next with you is with you. Not everybody who celebrates you and high fives you is actually your friend. You got to watch the team that you keep around you. Verse 24b, so he says, do you not know that in all races, all the races run, but only one receives the prize. Listen, in team sports, everybody wins. It is not a solo mission. When the NBA Finals finally came to a head and Toronto Raptors took all their glory home, not the coach went up there and be like, I won this game all by myself, and I am so thankful, and I take the trophy home, and you guys can kick rocks. I know you would have done that, Jose. Selfish. Philippians 2, Jose. Read it, for real. And you call yourself an intern. No, I'm joking. All right, I'm going to leave you alone. But... The reality is when we are on a team... We are all supposed to win. There are no solo winners in the race of life, y'all. There is no solo winners in the race of faith, y'all. We are all running our race individually, but it's all interconnected to the people who we're running alongside with. They're not our competition. Our fears, our, our sins, our pride, our weaknesses are our competition. The people who we're running alongside with, these are our teammates. And we're all trying to get to the same place, but we're only going to win if we're one. How do we know? Because Jesus talked about it. In John chapter 17, 
He gives us these four verses that are super significant that we need to understand and take home with us today. Verse number 20. It says, I do not ask for these only. Talking about Jesus, he's praying to the Father. He says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their world. Guess what? That's y'all. That they may all be one. He's praying for his disciples, and he's saying, I'm not just praying for these people, these 12 dysfunctional hooligans that I have in front of me that are trying to vie for position. I'm praying for those dysfunctional hooligans at Relevant Church in 2019. That they may all be one. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Jesus has called us on mission to go out and help everybody discover that Jesus is relevant. He says, when I am lifted up, I will draw all men. But the only way I can be lifted up is if y'all lift me up together because I'm too heavy. I need y'all working together. Then he goes on in verse 22. He says this, the glory that you've given me, I have given to them. Check this out. The glory that God the Father gave to Jesus Christ the Son, he said, I love this glory, and I'm going to extend it and give it to y'all. See, Jesus is in a relay race. Jesus is passing the baton. He got that baton hot, and he says, listen, I'm going to pass it just as hot. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be what? One, even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly what? One. So that the world may know that you sent me and loved even, loved them even as you've loved me. The race that we're running in our faith in this life may be for us, but it's not about us. It impacts everybody around us. In fact, it impacts beyond us. It will help people discover that, oh, Jesus is real. When I see a church full of blacks, whites, Democrats, Republicans, poor, rich, educated, non-educated, but all living together under one mission. Not living together, no communes. Scratch that from the tape. Woo, I almost got myself in trouble there. But working together. As one. Listen, we've been called to accomplish God's will, and that's to flip this community, region, and world upside down with the majestic, all-transforming, all-consuming name of Jesus. But we cannot do this if we're thinking we're on the race by ourselves. We've got to run together. So point number four, last point. Everybody wants to win, but not everyone is willing to run. See, listen, everybody wants the destination, but not everybody wants the journey. I know I want a crazy bod, but I hate working out. And the reason I don't have the body that I had in my youth is because I quit working out. Everybody wants to win, but not everybody's willing to run. So what does he say in the third part of this verse? Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run. So run. Run that you may obtain it. Not run and you may obtain it. Run that you may obtain it. Because you've already been designed to win. You've been given a new DNA. So just run. But you got to run as a team. You got to run with the people alongside of you and recognize that your race affects the person who's running next to you. You guys are in the race for your lives. You guys are in the race for your faith. Couples, you're in the race for your relationship. Parents, you're in the race for your kids. And listen, the way you run will set them up for failure or to win. You can hinder or hurt their race. Something that really convicted me. I was uh, in a 
and, and I was hearing a conversation take place. I can't even remember where they were. And they were like, um, oh, yeah, did you know so-and-so passed? And they were like, only 47. Man, they left kids. And then they started to explain about how unhealthy choices led to their passing. And I was like, imagine the setup. We have the ability to cut our lives short and steal from the future race of those coming up behind us. I think about in faith, how sometimes we show up to church super disengaged. We come out here out of duty. We're like, hey, you know, we should be serving. Uh, the prodigal sons and daughters are coming in home. God is, well, is, is bringing his children home. And we're just not excited about it. Not realizing that God has placed his glory baton in our hands. And we're supposed to be running the race when we show up Sunday morning. We need to be excited because there's somebody else who you need to hand the baton of God's glory. Think about it like this. Can I get a couple uh, uh, volunteers? Somebody from the black team. Somebody from the black team. Just come up right here. Come stand right here. Somebody from the black team. Thank you, Jose. Somebody from the yellow team. Come up right here. Just stand right here. Thank you, Linda. Somebody on the green team. Back corner, right corner by the doors. Yep. Come on. Green team, back corner. Yeah. Somebody from the pink team. Stand right there in that corner. Where, where's my baton? Remember... Jesus said, the glory that you have given me, I have now given to them. What is this baton of glory? See, all of us in this life have a baton that we're passing on. See, check this out. You know how we've been doing this series, The Amazing Race? It's been really cool to be competitive and, and everybody's like, green team, yellow team, black team, pink team. Like everybody's super excited and then we've got all these challenges and then we're in a race to complete the challenges and, and, and outdo one another. Well, you know what? That's also biblical because Jesus says, the, the word says, outdo each other in giving honor. So if you are in a race together, hey, listen, if I work hard by giving you the glory that God has given me, and then you work hard and give that glory onto her, now you're passing the baton of love, and then she runs, and she passes the baton of forgiveness. And then, and then she runs and passes the baton of righteousness. And then he runs, and he passes the baton of generosity. And then he runs, and he passes the baton. And then we keep running and keep running. And what we don't realize is that every time we're passing the baton. We're setting up the next person to win because at the end of the race, we're all going to hear, well done, good and faithful servants. You've been faithful with a little. Enter into the joy of our Lord. It is a team thing. Everybody say, it's a team thing. It's a team thing. So here's the deal. If it's a team thing, run like it depends on you. Run as if you are the only one running in this race and set up the next person to win. Amen. Yes. Make sure you're handing off the baton of love. See, in, in a relationship, or when you are with your spouse or with your girlfriend, make sure you're running hard so that when they feel low, you can give them the baton of love and encouragement. With your kids, uh, set it up so that you can give the, the, the baton of love and faithfulness to our and devotion to God. Run so that you can give the, the baton uh, of generosity so that the people who walk in through this door will be blessed by your gifts. So if you remember nothing else, this is what I want to encourage you today. Set the pace. Set the pace. Uh, see, in a relay race, a team is only as fast as its slowest runner. And as a church, we're called to run on mission together. Together. And yes, the challenges are real. Yes, the race can get hard. Yes, the race can get difficult. Yes, there are distractions that are going to come. 
But if you run like it depends on you, you will always set the pace. You will always set the pace. Jesus was getting ready to go to the cross. Getting ready to suffer cruel and unusual punishment. And so, Scripture tells us that one evening, the night before he went to the cross, he went into the garden at Gethsemane. And he just wanted some time to pray to the Father. And he told his team, hey, listen, I, I'm, uh, you guys wait right here. Can you do me a favor? We're a team, right? Yeah, Jesus, we're a team. You said you were with me even to the death. Yeah, we're with you to the death. All right, do me a favor. Pray with me. I'm about to go pray over there. I'm about to have an encounter with my father. I need you here supporting. I need you to run with me. He goes and he begins to pray and he comes back. And instead of running in prayer, the disciples are sleeping. His team is sleeping when they should have been running. So he says, what are you doing? Don't you know that the hour is coming? I'm about to go away. And, and would you just stay up? Would you pray with me? Will you run with me? You're my team. He goes and he prays again. He comes back. Surely my team is running with me. And they're sleeping again when they should be running. So he says, what's going on? At this time, he's, he's sweating blood, and they're so unconcerned by him. They're so worried about their own race. They're so caught up in their own fatigue that they don't even notice that the sweat of blood dripping down the Messiah's face. And he says, would you stay up with me and run just a little while longer? He goes. And what happens? They fell asleep again. And you think the story is over, but the story tells us that now Jesus has become, been arrested. All of his friends have scattered and run away. There's one, though, who's staying close. Peter. He's following Jesus around. He sees them treating Jesus harshly. In fact, Peter had told Jesus, I will run with you even up until death. And Jesus told him, listen, by the end of this night, but by the time the, the, the cock crows three times, you would have denied me. Jesus is standing there. There's only one person left on his team who's watching him. Everybody else is scattered. He looks and they say, Aren't you on his team? I saw you guys running together. I saw you guys on mission together. And Peter says, I don't even know that guy. I'm not on the same team as that guy. Sometimes the people closest to us we think are running on mission with us. Actually, they're running in opposition to us. So in that moment, what does Jesus do? Jesus decides to keep running the race. Why? Because he knows that I've got a legacy to live. I've got a legacy to leave. I've got a church that I need to establish. And if they're not going to run, I'm going to run like it depends on me. So Jesus went and he was whipped for our iniquities. He was pierced and bruised for our transgressions. And they led him up high on a mountain and put him up on a, a, a ragged cross. And they pierced his hands and they pierced his feet. And he endured the righteous wrath of God the Father. Everything that was supposed to be poured out on humanity. He says, I'll run the race. I'll set the pace. If they won't run, I will run for them. The Bible tells us that he died. They buried him in a tomb. And then three days later, he got up. He got up. 
Because on the cross, he said, it is finished. The race is over. It's already won. So for me and you who are resurrected people after Jesus Christ, for those who are coming up after the resurrection, we have won the race. The DNA has already been set. The, the race has already been won. We win if we're willing to run. So is there anybody in here who knows that Jesus has invited you on his team? And if you're honest, you've heard the call. You felt it in your heart. But you haven't been running. In fact, you've been a laggard. Somebody who slows the process down. Jesus said, I've already ran for, ran for you. Hey, just come up and run alongside of me. Every time you feel like you're going to fall, I'm going to hold you back up. Maybe you're in here. You know Jesus has ran for you. You believe it. But in your life, you've just refused to run because it's not convenient for me. It's not fun for me. It's uncomfortable for me. And Jesus says, you don't think the cross was uncomfortable? You don't think a crown of thorns on my head was uncomfortable? You thought it was convenient. Oh, you know, it's just not convenient for me to be at church. You think it was convenient for Jesus to show up? If you're in here, all heads bowed, all eyes closed. Jesus says, I've invited you to the greatest team known to men. A team that takes no losses. A team that's guaranteed to win. And maybe in your life you've recognized that even as much as you wanted, God has spoken to you. And he says, listen, I've sent my son to live the life you could never live, to die the death that would have consumed you for eternity. He beat death, he beat hell, he beat Satan so that you could win. And today he's saying, will you stop being so selfish? Stop always thinking about your convenience. Stop always thinking about your comfort. Because there is people in this community, in this region, that are dying for the hope that you know about. There are people who don't even understand who Jesus is. Yet you know him, and, and he, he has promised to be with you and not to leave you nor forsake you, but you are so slow, and you are refusing to run. So the first call today is for somebody in here who you know you've been called. But out of your own selfishness, you've chosen not to run. And Jesus is saying, I need you to run with me today. If you are in here, right where you are, stand up. Right where you're at. I'm not even going to let y'all know if somebody's standing. Keep your eyes closed. Because this ain't about you. This is about, this is not about them. It's about you. Jesus wants to talk to you personally. You are in this room. You've heard the call. You know Jesus is with you. But for whatever reason, you're choosing not to run or you've chosen not to run. And today you're saying, nope, I'm done. I'm going to set the pace. Because there's other people coming up alongside of me. There's other people coming up behind me. And I need to make sure that when I pass this baton, I got to pass this baton hot. If you're in here, right where you're at, stand up. Number two, you didn't know Jesus. You've heard about him. Pastors talk about him. 
heard family talk about him. But today you've recognized that Jesus ran the race that you could never run. And if you're honest, you've tried to do things by yourself and you've realized that I have hindered my own race. And today you're saying, nope, I can't do this thing. Life is consuming me. And today I'm getting in the game. If you're in here, right where you're at, could you stand? And the people who stood for the first call, I want you to keep standing. Because when the other people open their eyes, I want them to know that they're not alone. This is a team effort. So if you are in here and you're saying yes to Jesus, right where you're at, will you stand? Will you stand? Final call. You've been walking with Jesus. You're falling off the wagon every now and then. You want to follow him, and today what you're saying is, you know what, i got to be all the way in. I've got to be all the way committed. Today I want to be baptized. I want to join the family. I want to get in the game for real, for real. Right where you're at, will you stand? If today you're saying, I want to be baptized, right where you're at, will you stand? Will you stand wherever you're at? Now listen, everybody's heads are bowed, everybody's eyes are closed. I want only the people who are standing to look at each other. Look around. You're not alone. This is your team. Come on. Now, I want everybody in this room to stand. Right where you're at, stand up. Because the people who are still sitting are the people who are running the race. Yeah. And this is what they're telling you. We are in this thing with you. You are not by yourself. We're going to pass the baton to each other. We're going to encourage each other. We're going to give hope and life to each other. God, we thank you for the commitment of those who are brave enough to stand up right where they were at. To not worry about whether somebody was looking at them. To not worry about the what ifs and that I've done this and I've done that. And today, they simply said, I'm in. I'm getting in the game. And I'm going to set the pace. I'm going to run like it depends on me. God, I pray that you may seal their commitment today. I pray that they will know that there is a team around them that is running alongside of them. And as it says in Philippians 1.6, Lord, assure them this, that the good thing that you have begun in them, you will be sure to complete in the day of Jesus Christ our Lord. Keep them until that day of full redemption where we meet you face to face. It is in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you again for joining us on the Relevant Church Podcast. If this message has been impactful to you, let us know by sending an email to hello at thisisrelevant.cc. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing at giving.thisisrelevant.cc. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast for more messages like this one.